Good to see everyone here today. Welcome online, folks. Good to see you. I can't really see you, but I can imagine what many of you look like. So <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, man, I tell you what, this is a moment. Uh, man, there's some new faces in the house today, too, by the way. People I hadn't seen them. Well, that's good. Welcome. Um, this is a moment that we have prayed for for a long time today. This is a moment that, that, that the leadership team, the staff, we have prayed for this. We've been working for this. It was like... Uh, the Rona started in what, March, I guess, somewhere around there. By April or May, we sort of realized we can't continue to do things the way we've done them before. It was pretty quick. And so we began to pray that God would give us a fresh word and a new word and show us something new. And so uh, we believe God did that. And today marks part one of our Experiencing God series. And we're going to walk through this together for the next 12, 13, 14 weeks, however long it takes. And um, I am so excited that so many of you are on this bus with us. And if you're not, it's not too late to jump on. But we've had this sort of a foundational verse that we're going to use for the next, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. It's Acts 2.42, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Like the reason that's a foundational verse for us in this series and this year is because that's what we want to become. That's the end goal. The end goal is to be that Acts place. That's why we're saying this is a brand new, really, 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 really old method because they've been using this for a long time. But it's this idea of becoming this place where we, we all share a vision and we all share our resources and we share our time and our talent and, and no one has a need. And, and people are looking going, oh my gosh, there's, there's crazy, amazing things happening there. And we're out in the world doing things and, and people are being healed. And we're not just adding church members. We're adding people who are saved and transformed. We're adding disciples. That's what it was designed to be. And so this is what we're working towards. So as we move towards this this year, I want you just to remember that Acts 2.42. If you ever get lost, like, why are we doing what we're doing? Go read Acts 2.42. That is what we are trying to accomplish, to become the sort of place. And guys, we've tasted a little bit of this, uh, but there's so much more. We want to become a place that God uses to transform the world. And we have a method that we're using for this. And we've been talking about, by the way, if you weren't here the last three weeks, I strongly encourage you to go back online and listen to those. You can go to thegracechurch.net and they're all there. But this is our method. And just so I'm clear, th this is not a method for salvation. This is not a method to fall in love with God. You're doing this because you're saved and because you're in love with God. And if you have not given your life to Christ, then this method won't mean anything to you. But that's why every week in this series, you're going to have an opportunity to give your life to Christ. But growing and knowing, that's the sort of two things that we're going to do. And again, God, the method doesn't save you. It's God working through the method to do something amazing in your life. But growing and knowing are what disciples do. You grow in your knowledge of God, and, you, and you, you're known by people, and you, and you grow in your knowledge of each other. That is an automatic thing you do because you love God and because God loves you. And we believe that as you are growing and knowing, serving and giving and praising will be the automatic output of what is being input into you. This isn't five religious duties. Every time I say duty, I laugh, by the way. <laughs> 
is, is these are things that are automatic. Like as I grow and as I know, as, 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 I'm, as I'm knowing people and people are knowing me and as I'm knowing God better, then serving and giving and praising are just the automatic things that happen. It's not like I'm checking off a box. And so as we're going through this series and as you're growing and knowing, you're going to find yourself more compelled to giving and serving and praising. And, and there's going to be opportunities for all of those things. And I cannot wait to see how God uses this. But today, we're going to take a step together in growing and knowing. We're going to begin discussing the book, Experiencing God. And listen, if you're, if you're here and you haven't read the book or, or you're not going to get it, or you're still going to get something out of these messages. You would just get a lot more out of the messages if you were using the Experiencing God study along with me. So let, let's start today with our very first scripture in the book, Experiencing God, or in the workbook. And it's John 15, 5, and it says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Guys, I want you to memorize that verse. Uh, scripture memory is not just for kids in Sunday school. It's for soldiers who believe there's a war. And, and I cannot tell you how many times, especially during the Rona year here, how many times that I have been in some situation where I was scared or sad or maybe wallowing in self-pity like so many of us do, you know, or feeling prideful. And God brings a scripture to my mind that I've memorized and he uses it to redirect my course or to change my life. But if you'll allow scripture to be written on your heart, God will use scripture to change your heart. But you, you have to commit some things. And this one's not that hard to remember. I mean, y'all know Garth Brooks songs from like 50 years ago, right? I mean, for real. If I started singing, I showed up in boots, y'all be like, ruin your black tie fair. You'd all jump in, right? All right, so this is easy. You can remember that. Burks would not jump in on that song. Everybody else. Like, you can remember this piece of scripture, okay? So memorize this and see how God uses it to change your life. Listening to God hasn't always come natural to me. I got a little confession to make. Um, I'm not one of those people who, who like just, you know, I'm, I'm driving through Walmart and I believe God's telling me to park in spot number three and then spot number three is open. Like, I don't just get a word from God all the time. And when I do get a word, it's not like, it's not always completely clear. Some, it's not like God speaks to me in an audible voice or through a burning bush, right? There's not a burning bush in my office. If there's smoke coming from my office, something else is going on. It's not a burning bush. That's all I know. But that's not the way God speaks to me all the time. I have, to, I have to sometimes try to hear the voice of God. Like I have to work to connect to God to make sure that I'm hearing his voice. But over the last three or four months, I guess I've become more coachable or just more aware of the need to abide in God and God to abide in me so that I might experience fruit in my life. And as I have done that in some moments, there have been some moments when I have seen clear fruit. Like there have been moments where, where I was abiding in God and, and God was abiding in me. And, and in those moments, God has always shown me something that I would not have seen had I not been abiding in him. For instance, last week I announced uh, we're going we're gonna to invest $100,000 this year in local missions in this community. And that is a big number. And we've already, we've already written some checks, some fun checks to some amazing organizations. And I am excited about that. But if I'm being completely honest, when I was putting that budget together and God is saying, and I know he's saying, he's saying put $100,000 in missions. I'm going, I don't think that's going to work. 
Like, I know what he's telling me to do, but there's still, and even last week, like, I'm up here saying, $100,000, and y'all are all clapping, and I'm trying to act like I'm calm, because when you're up here, you should, but inside, I'm going, ah. like, I'm scared, I mean, right? There's a human side of me that's like, I don't know if this is such a good idea, but I was obedient, and we did it, and we announced it, and last Sunday, our offering was three times larger than it is on a normal Sunday. That's fruit. I couldn't predict or plan that. If I could, I would do it every Sunday. I promise. Not only that, listen to this, guys. I'm, I'm, this is true. Last, last gathering, 8.30, a new couple came up to me afterwards. And this lady said, um, so you're going to do $8,000 every month. And I said, yes, ma'am, I'm gonna, we're going to do $8,000 every month. In addition to the other bills we have, $8,000 every month in mission. She goes, my husband and I are new here. We're going to go ahead and write the check for next month. The whole thing. I was like, are you kidding me? And I, was, I saw that coming. <laughs> fruit. That is fruit of abiding in God and God abiding in me. And then, then this, is, this is super cool. Last week, that's super cool. But last week at 8.30, I came up here and I was getting ready to pray. And I had I just felt connected and close to God. And I came up here. And right before I started to pray, this was not scripted, I promise. God said, be quiet. And I was like, it's my turn to talk. And he said, no, it's not. It's my turn. And so I went silent and just stood here. And while I'm standing here, I look confident. But in my mind, I'm going, this is awkward. Like, let me show you something. Yeah. It's awkward, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, nobody likes that. We're conditioned to not like silence. So I'm standing here in silence at 8.30 for like two minutes. And then I'm like, okay. I didn't do it at 10 because God didn't tell me to. I didn't do it at 11.30 because I didn't think God was telling me to. I get home that day and a couple, a, a couple who's new to Christ, like new to Jesus like in the last eight months, they call me and they say, when you were silent, God spoke a word to both of us at the same time that he'd never spoken before. In, in the silence of that moment, God spoke to people who had just given their lives to Christ in a way that I never could have. That's fruit. That is fruit of abiding in him and him abiding. And in those moments when it happens, you see a fruit that you could not make on your own. And that's why this is so important to abide in him and him to abide in us. Because apart from him, you don't see that kind of stuff. You can't script that stuff. John 17, 3 says, now, now, I like it when they say now, now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, that is life, to know God and to be known by God. And when Hebrews talk about knowing somebody, they're not talking about like the way I know, um, I don't know, who, Ross Perot is the name that just came to my mind. I have no idea where that came. But like, Ross Perot, when's the last time y'all thought of Ross Perot? Sap, y'all don't even know who he is. But like, <laughs> I don't know. I know Ross Perot. <laughs> Where are we going, God? I'm out here. Like, I know him, but I don't know him. I don't know of him. I've heard of him. But when we think of know God, that's what we think of. The way Tommy knows Ross Perot is, <laughs> is just to kind of know about him. And I've read about him, and, and I've heard about him, or I've listened to this dude stand up here and kind of talk around about him. But that's not to know somebody. 
When the Hebrews talk about knowing God, they're not talking about a, 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 a mind, like an, an intellectual decision that I know who that is. They're talking about an emotional commitment. Like the way a, like the way a, a husband knows a wife when they've been married for 30, 40, 50 years, you know? Like that deep love to be known, to fully known and fully loved. And that's life, to experience God. And so we're beginning to see this here. We're seeing some people, as we move into this series in the last few months, we are seeing people begin to experience God in this church in that way. Not in an educational way, not in a way where you win Bible trivia, but in an emotional way where they're actually being overwhelmed by the presence of a living God. And we're seeing it in the missions uh, from what they do on Friday nights. We're seeing it in the groups that are forming. We're seeing it in this, in this uh, Marco Polo revival thing that's going on in our church. There's all these girls, ladies who are on Marco Polo, and they're like just having an incredible revival together. It's amazing. You know, Laura knows what I'm talking about. The prayer that's going on in the parking lot. out, Guys, there are things going on that we could not have scripted because there are people who are choosing to allow God to abide in them. And what's happening is fruit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's incredible, and and this is what Christ wants from us. Jesus didn't show up to earth to give us a teaching. He didn't show up to earth to give us a noble way. He showed up to earth to give us Jesus, to give us himself. He didn't show up and say, come with me and, and, and go over there and I'll show you the way. He said, I am the way. Like, allow me to be in you and you in me, and and let's go on the way together. It's completely different than what's offered from any other world religion. This is not a list of steps to become. This is he says you are, and now we just live into it. It's amazing. And bearing fruit, biblically speaking, seems to be important. People want to say, well, just judge me by my heart, right? You're like, man, I, I punch you in the face, but judge me by my heart. I stole your hubcaps, but judge me by my heart. God seems to care about fruit, about what's, what's actually produced from what's in your heart. That's why, so this John 15, 5 verse, I called my brother on Monday. Jeff is preaching this same series in his church. Um, hello, if anyone from Jeff's church decided to watch this instead, we don't blame you. But we're, uh, Jeff, Jeff's preaching the same series. Um, And so I called Jeff on Monday and I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a sermon that's a big picture of the whole Experiencing God week. Because the last thing I want to do is get bogged down in one point. And Jeff was like, yes. He said, do not get bogged down in one thing. Write a big picture thing. And so I said, okay. And so then I sat down and wrote a sermon where I got completely bogged down in one thing. Like I can't get, John 15, 5, I can't get out of for some reason. So what I want to do is I want to show you guys the context around that verse. Because I think if you just pluck out John 15, 5 and put it on your refrigerator, you're going to miss the fullness of what, of what God is saying when he gives us this command. So check it out. John, we'll start in John 15, 1. If you've got a Bible, open it. If you don't, this would be a fantastic series to bring your Bible to. Uh, John 15, 1, it says this. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Okay, this is Jesus talking. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so they'll be even more fruitful. Listen to this verse, guys. One of you just needs to hear this today. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into a fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's good. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I like that a lot, guys. i got to be honest. I like it a lot. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. And he says, but, but if you don't, I cut that branch off and throw it into a fire. All right, now, we've all got our interpretation of what that means. I have one, you probably have one too, and maybe yours is not the same as mine. But no matter what it is, it's not good. There's no way you can come up with an interpretation of that that goes, well, that sounds good. I'll take that option. The branch that withers and thrown in the fire, like he cares about the fruit that you bear. He cares that there is fruit in your life, in your heart. God knows what's in your heart. But you don't have to be God to know what's in somebody's heart because the tree should bear fruit. And that's why I love in this verse, go, go back to that verse for me, Ann, if you don't mind. How many times, we're going to do a little math together. I want you all to count the times this says remain, okay? Uh, y'all know math isn't my thing, but I, I think we can do this. All right, verse four, remain in me. So are y'all keeping count? Two, three, four. Well, they're going real fast. They're like, math is hard for me. Five, six, seven. Is that seven? I think there's eight, but eight, seven or eight times. It's in there a lot. And if, if you're writing scripture and you use the same word over and over and over, don't you think you want people to stop and think about that word? Remain in me. The way to bear fruit is to remain in me. And over and over, he says, remain, remain, remain. That makes it sound like to me that your relationship with Christ is about more than a one-time decision that you made when you were 13. You know many people I talk to, I'm like, man, tell me about your relationship with Christ. And they're like, man, I was baptized when I was 13. I'm like, all right, then what? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I was baptized. That's pretty much the story. What, what's the fruit? The fruit was you were wet. There's got to be more fruit than that. Like he says, remain in me. Keep, keep coming back like you tasted it. Keep coming back. It's not a one-time thing. And what we realize is as we, as we look at this passage, and y- y'all know, many of you know, I know I'm talking fast today because I'm excited. I'm calming down now. Many of you know that I'm a farmer. <laughs> you can tell I'm a farmer because I've got this shirt on. This is a farmer shirt. So if there's one thing I know, it's vines, branches, and fruit because I'm a farmer. And so I was thinking like in in when they were talking about vines, branches, and fruit, they probably would have been talking about either grapes or fig trees, would have been my guess. So I don't think they had watermelons or, you know, um, golden delicious apples, but those are good. I think they're talking about, so imagine a grape bush, so if a grape vine. So if you cut, if you cut the vine away from the branch on grapes, what will happen to the fruit that's on that vine? It'll die. You don't have to be a farmer for this one. It'll die. Why will it die? Because it's separated from the branch. 
And when that vine and that fruit is separated from the branch, that fruit dies because it doesn't have the nourishment it needs to grow. And so what God is telling me and what he's telling you and what he's been telling people for 3,000 years, if there is fruit in your life that you're celebrating and it's, it's the most important thing in your life and it's not fruit that came from the branch, then that is fruit that will just turn to dust and die. And for too many of us, the fruit we celebrate the most are fruits of our own making. Guys, I, I, could, I could give a good speech or maybe you could write a beautiful poem or maybe you could sing the most incredible song ever or maybe you're going to make more money than anyone else in this room. If those things aren't directly connected to the glory of God, then it is dust. It is worms and maggots. It is nothing. It is nothing apart from God. You're leaving behind a legacy of dust if the legacy you leave behind is a legacy of things that you made. If it's not connected to the branch, it withers and has no eternal significance whatsoever. And as I look over my life the last 44 years, I look at the things I'm the most proud of and my heart breaks a little because so much of my legacy is dust. But it doesn't have to end that way. And what I do today can make a difference. But it's, it's not just that. So you have some people who have all this stuff, but it's not connected to the branch, so they're just holding on to death. Other people, are, they think, like, if you know you're not connected to God and you're like, forget him, that's probably a safer place to be than people who think they're connected to God, but there's no fruit in their life. If you think you're connected to God, but there's no fruit in your life whatsoever, Gentleness and patience isn't coming out of you. Your heart isn't breaking for people who are unsaved. There's no, there's no praising and giving and serving. If none of those things are happening in your life, then you need to wonder whether or not you are really connected to the branch. Because if, there, if, there's, like, if there's one thing I know about this, this farmer analogy, which I get this, again, farmer, if a, if a plant isn't producing fruit, there's either a problem with the farmer or there's a problem with the plant. Right? And in, the, in this particular parable or analogy, God is the farmer, so that ain't the problem. So the problem must be the connection the plant has with the branch. And so if there's no fruit in your life, it's not a Jesus problem and it's not a God problem. It's a problem in your heart. A refusal to allow God to connect with you the way he desires to connect with you. And that's what this is about, about abiding. And this is life. Like, this is life. To be connected to the branch is life for the vine. It's life for plants. It's life for us. And this is what God wants from us. And in order to have this, this connection that produces fruit, you must abide in God daily. Like, what, what sense would it possibly make for, for a branch, to, the vine, to take a break from the branch? Like, hey, I'm just going to go on a week vacation. Life doesn't take vacations with the dead. It makes no sense. In order to experience this daily life of abiding with Christ, you must abide in Christ's day. That's why I was thinking about Matthew 6, 10, and it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day or give us today our daily bread. And as I was thinking about the experiencing God study in this passage, God is redefining the term daily bread. When I'm asking God for my daily bread, I'm not asking him to give me what I want for today. I'm asking him to give me what I need to glorify him today. 
And there's a reason God wants me to ask for it daily, and it just dawned on me this week. Like, do y'all know the story of the prodigal son? Many of you know the story. From, there, there's a son, and he goes to his father, and this broke my heart, man. And he said, Dad, give me my inheritance. And the dad gave him everything, everything the dad had, everything the son would need for life for years and years to come. And the son took it, and then you know what he did? He turned his back on his father. And this is why God wants to do daily life with you. Think about Any of you have teenagers? Anybody got teenagers? All right, I've got one too. To think that my son, Caden, who I love deeply, would come to me and say, Dad, give me everything you've got for me. And I would say, here, Caden, take it all. And then he would turn his back and walk away from me. What I'd want my son to do is to say, Dad, you've given me everything. Now let me use everything I've got with you. Now walk with me. Dad, you gave me a boat, fish with me. Dad, you gave me money, spend it with me. Dad, you gave me life, live it with me. Like that's what I would want and that's what God wants from us. And this is why he says, come to me daily. It isn't because he wants to punish you. It isn't because there's a religious checkbox. It is because he loves you so much that he wants to experience life with you daily. He's like, oh, I just want to be with you. How cool is it when your kids want to be with you? And the older your kids get, the more you're going to know what I'm saying. <laughs> and if your teenager ever tries to have a conversation with you, just play it cool. Like, don't blow it. <sighs> Whatever they tell you, you just lock in there. Sounds good. But don't you love it? Especially a child who you've given everything to, when they turn around and go, hey, Dad. You've given me everything for the journey. Will you take the journey with me? Like, that's what God wants from you. And that's what God wants from me. He doesn't want to harm you. And he doesn't want to destroy you. He just wants to do life with you on a daily basis. And he knows what you're thinking. And he knows about your pride. He knows about your fear. And he knows about your addiction. He knows about all the things inside of you. And yet this God loves us so much that he's like, I'm going to go with you through all of those things. I want to be with you. And we, we reverse this thing as if God is watching going, not there, not there, not there. Don't go there. Do go there. Don't do that. God is going, no, no, no. I'm not sending you out to all these different places. I'm inhabiting you and walking with you through all these different things. And if you'll abide in me, then I will abide in you and we will do life in a way you never experienced. And that's what he wants. Why would we not want that? To experience the fullness of what life was always designed to be. Man, Paul, this guy in the Bible, he called himself a slave. He said, I'm a slave to you. None of us would want to do that because in earthly terms, a slave just carries out whatever the master says. But in biblical terms, in, in God economy, the master actually works through the slave to accomplish something the, the slave could have never done on his own. It's different. It's better. And so my prayer for you guys is as we begin to, to, to embark on this study, that as you open these workbooks and you begin to look at them, first off, don't think about it like a workbook. Because nothing sounds worse to me than daily workbook time. Like, I'm out. And this is not a test. It's not like you're coming. You don't, don't read this like you're studying and preparing for a test. And for some of you type A's, this is going to take some work. 
but you're not trying to outlearn everybody else. What I want you to do is I want you to open the workbook. Oh, I want you to open the experiencing God thing. (laughs) And I want you to say this, God, I'm not here to learn about you. I'm here to experience you. I want to know you. I want to know your heart. I want to know that you know my heart. And then I want what's in my heart because of you to be apparent in the way I live. So God, I'm just going to read these things and I'm going to talk to people. And I just want to know you. Holy Spirit, reveal to me the life you designed me to have. And then just bathe in the grace and the beauty of God for a few minutes. And if you're doing the study and you chase a squirrel, then to God be the glory and you're in the right place. Because this is a place where we chase squirrels. It's okay. And then you're going to the group and it's not a competition. It's a bunch of people coming together to be united by God in a unique, deep, and mysterious way. And you've got situations where husband and wives are doing this, this thing together. And one of them's like, well, you know so much. It doesn't matter. It's just two people growing together in a deeper way because of the glory of God. And as, as we embark on this, I love the seven realities that it says will change. The first reality is we'll begin to see God working around us. It's the first thing that's going to happen. Second, we'll begin to know what God wants from us in a personal relationship with us. Third, we're going to see where God is inviting us to work with him. Fourth, through the Holy Spirit, God will reveal his ways as you pray and study. Five, this is a good one. At some point, God is going to ask you for something that's going to test your faith. Amen. Ain't gonna. Six, you will have to adjust your life. (laughs) That one makes me laugh. That's a bit of an understatement, God. You remember where we were in 94? (laughs) Adjust. Seven, we will come to know God. Gosh, listen to this. Listen to this. You will come to know God not just by reading about him, but by experiencing him. And that's life. And nothing apart from that is real. And nothing apart from that is lasting. But you will know God, not by reading about him or me talking about him. You'll know him because you will experience him. And that is the life God designed you to have.